So there's a story of a little girl that's repeated through history. Her destiny is carved in stones, rolled so old they are bent in the bones of our mothers and grandmothers. I've always felt immense fear. I was born with several palsies. I have always felt small. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to summit. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Hey, my beautiful, beautiful friends. Hope you're having an awesome day today. I'm so pumped about today's episode because we have a spoken word poet you know i geek out over spoken word and if you don't guess what your girl loves some spoken word i i just think it's a beautiful art form that just speaks to our souls and when i ran across this week's guest oko yomo egbek hua or also known as simply hua from nigeria i just I, i knew i wanted to share her work with you guys She's 22 years old, and the conviction that she speaks with, the passion that she speaks with, that 22-year-old voice is just so inspiring to me as a 33-year-old woman because her voice shakes less than mine does when she speaks on topics that she's passionate about. And I think it's something that we can take note of. There's some powerful young people in the world, and I want to use my platform to shine a light on them. And I encourage you too to check out these young people who are rising up and using their voice and making an impact in this world. Today, we talk about the power of story and listening to others' experiences in order to break stereotypes around different people groups that are different than us. Such an important conversation. Also, we talk about how finding purpose can heal mental illness and why Hua is wanting to use her art to speak for and be a voice for young people in her country. She also shares with us one of her powerful poems at the end, so make sure you stay to listen to that. But before we get started, listen, I want to share something kind of personal with you, and I think it's really important. This interview, the quality was not the best. There was this weird popping noise all the way through it, and I don't know what was going on or where it came from or anything. And I spent some time, we did our very best to get out as much as we possibly could. And as a leader, as a producer of this show, I was kind of left with this decision. I'm like, okay, there is this loud popping noise in this audio, and I, I could spend hours and hours and hours and hours fixing it or I could do my best and share it with you. Now, I'm taking this to another level than I need to, but I think it's an important lesson for us to address. I decided to hit publish anyway, even though the audio was not perfect. You know why? Because Hua's story needs to be heard. And I think we can all get over a little bit of popping and clicking. I think right now we live in such an overproduced society that everybody is scared to put out work and to just share stuff because it's it's not perfect or it's not polished and all of that. I want to break that myself. You know, yes, there is a level where you need to do your absolute best, but there's another level where you do your best and you have to move on from something and understand what's really important. And what's really important is that we share Hua's story. 
I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go find her on iTunes and I want you to subscribe to her podcast, The Spoken World. That's W-O-R-L-D, The Spoken World. And give this girl some support. Show her some love. You know, this show is all about promoting unconventional leaders, those who are going against the grain. And I just have mad respect for this young lady. She's a total badass. So, all right, friends, let's get into this interview with my friend, Hua. My full name is Okoyomo Egbehua, but that's like a mouthful for everybody. So I just make everyone call me Hua. I will be 22 this month. I am a twin. I am the first of five children. I'm the only girl. I'm a student. I'm a chemical engineering student. I will be writing my final exams and I will finally get that bachelor's degree. Hooray! By the end of the year, hopefully. And I am a creative. I am a spoken word artist and a podcaster. My podcast is going on to season three by next year, March. It is for creative writers, literary artists, basically from different parts of the world who can come on the show and share their stories and um, what influenced them, what inspired them to write those stories. Now, I, I believe I read that you first were kind of introduced to spoken word at school, right? Somebody came in and shared a spoken word poem. That was um, in my second year in the university. Um, I studied chemical engineering and it was at this really hard time where I wasn't just into the whole school thing anymore because the way the education system is set up here, it's built to basically snuff out all of your ideas. All you're focused on is just, you know, your books, your CGPA, you have to get that really good grade. And it was just really suffocating for me because I always had this creative side. I was going to be innovative and stuff and I, I wasn't getting that. So I was getting really angry with everything. And then my friend came to me one day and said that there was this play at our auditorium and she had like an extra ticket and she'd like me to go. So I go for the play, mostly because I thought that they'd be cute guys, but <laughs> anyway, I go to, I, I go watch the play. It was okay, really. But then there was this guy that came up on stage. His name is Gary Graham. And I can't exactly remember the words or what it was about. But all I knew was that it was amazing. And uni like where school is the University of Benin, Uniben, it they, they're they're a tough crowd. But he was able to move people in our main auditorium. It was like the play was the sideshow. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's that? And my friend was like, Oh, it's it's spoken word. Haven't you heard of it before? And I'm like, What? What's spoken word? And she was like, It's poetry and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I want to do that. I want to be like that guy. I want to be able to move people the way he did. So I go home and I start to write all these poems. And of course, they, they all sounded horrible. If I wanted to go back and just cringe, I would just go through my old poems. At some point, I wrote one that even right now, I don't really think is that good. But then it was like, the, yeah, I was like, oh my God, I, I wrote this really awesome poem. I'm going to share it to everybody. And then I did. I was able to connect with this videographer here in school. who was also a creative artist to make it into a video. and then. And that was how it moved from there. I made this other video that really, really, it got me on, on stages. I got to perform on stages. And that's where the whole spoken word thing for me started. And that's how it grew. So tell me like, okay, you're in school to be a chemical engineer. Is that right? Yeah. 
Correct me. I'm I'm not scientific at all. Like I'm engineering is not my my thing. That that's very that's on a different side of your brain than creativity, isn't it? Isn't it a little bit more factual? <laughs> um, the the thing is, I've always been pretty good at everything I do. That's I'm not trying to be sure. arrogant when I say that. I always thought that if I was going to be an engineer, I'd be able to invent stuff and be creative about it. But when I got to school, that didn't happen. Um, the education system over here in Nigeria is not too great. And it's really, it can be really frustrating. So um, I decided to do something else that was just as creative. I've always been good with writing, writing stories, but it was something that I, I never really developed as an art. I think it was when I saw him that I, just, that I started building on that. And I, I really don't think that they are very different really. I feel like everything sort of follows a pattern. Science itself is art. I can't remember who said it, but creativity is like you have science having fun or something like that. Your imagination, how you're able to bring it to life, basically, whether it's by telling stories and moving people or when you're building things. I think everything is art in a way, in its own yeah, in its own way. Mm, I love that. And what did your, what did your, was your family's perception when you're like, I want to start putting out poems and I want to start a podcast and all of that. Were they supportive of it or what did they think? Oh, I didn't tell them. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell them that I was going to, like my dad would have been like, I didn't send you to school to go and start writing poems. Like what? No, actually, um, everybody else calls me Odio. Now, Odio is the name given to twins in Edo State. I'm from Edo State in Nigeria. Um, Because I'm a twin, my name is Odio. My brother's name is Omo. When I got to school, I was like, I didn't want to go by audio because I didn't want my parents to hear something about audio writing poems out there. So I was like, no, I'm going to use my first name and extract Hua from it. So it would take them a while before they realized that it's me. I didn't know how they were to take it. And it's not like I haven't been into extracurricular activities before. I used to act sometimes back in secondary school, um, elementary school. But to make it a job, I, I wasn't sure how they were going to take it. So I didn't tell them. Instead, I just got involved in various like poetry competitions. Like I would write and submit my pieces. A lot of them I lost. They didn't know about my whole performing on stage until like a while later. I know my dad didn't know about um, my podcast until I had hit my 10th episode. I told my mom and I told her like, oh my God, it's just me having fun. But when it became like a thing where I started professionally voice acting and performing on stage and getting paid for it. That was when I told my mom. And she was like, oh, that's so great. And even though sometimes my dad used to tell me about being creative and innovative, and he's always like, there are certain people in the world that were able to create a lot of things out of nothing. So when he saw that I had created this, he was... I think he was proud. Yeah. He was very supportive afterwards. He started sharing my links to his friends and his family. My brother has always been supportive in his own way, even though he doesn't like to say it, but I, I, I know he is, I know he is deep down somewhere. My brothers are great uh, about it, but everyone's just cool. I, I guess it's really like my other, like the, the extended family, the ones that don't know me, they're the ones that see them, and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. But if it's like my immediate family, they're like, yeah, it's just something he yeah. does. That's a thing. It's extra difficult because there's no Wi-Fi, actually. It's, yeah. we, we're using um, limited data, and it's also very expensive. Actually, I'm not even sure how I'm able to afford it because I'm not getting any extra money. But I, I'm not exactly sure because when people ask me, they're like, how are we able to afford Because the data is really expensive. How are you able to afford it? I'm like, I don't know. Somehow, I'm just able to pull through. 
-hmm. and it's like a priority to me right now there's no power I think I, I told you one of the reasons why we had to keep rescheduling and um, we, we had to reschedule over and over was because, well, um, I had issues with power or the signal was bad. And I knew this was like a, a video thing and I didn't want anything that, that was going to interrupt. This is one of the really good times. Sometimes even though it's just like an audio interview where, you know, it's, it's not it's not um, FaceTime. We would always have like um, cut offs in between. Something was always going wrong. Yeah. And really, it's like. Like, really, really stressful when it comes to all of that. But at the end of the day, it's because it's something that I enjoy doing. For instance, I'm able to meet you. Not a lot of people are able to boast about being able to communicate and tell their stories with people everywhere in the world. I'm one of those lucky people. And even though I have to pay, like, extra for me to get my, my word out there, it's something that I would do. Apart from that, there's this issue with um, Nigerians and the stereotype. I feel if there's any way that I can tell our stories and let people know about us more than they already do, I would. I remember one time I was on an interview with someone and I told her that I'm, I was, I am, I'm a student. And she asked me if, she asked me, she was like, where do you have your classes? Because do you guys have your classes in like buildings or in a forest or, and I was like, what? I didn't know how I was going to be like, okay, do I, should I be offended or should I just say uh, she's ignorant about it? But she's not the first person that has communicated with me in that same way. Some people I talk to and they are surprised I even speak English or I speak English the way I speak it right now. Because you can't tell, I have a neutral accent. Mm-hmm. You almost can't tell that I am West African. I have a mix of uh, British and basically my, my accent is a bit different. When I started trying to write for people, even till now, I still have a problem with working with people outside the country because there's this thing of Nigerians and scam. Nigerians are scam artists. And I'm not going to totally debunk that um, allegation because there are a lot of, there are some, not well, a there lot are everywhere. of uh, scam artists. Yeah, but I don't know. We've, we've, we've sort of miraculously made a name for ourselves hmm. like okay for instance paypal doesn't work in my country we can we, we can pay yeah we can pay we can use paypal to pay for services but we cannot receive payments now the thing is a lot of freelance websites use paypal i'm a writer i'm a spoken word artist i am a um, sound engineer if i do say so myself but i cannot work for a lot of people and podcasting is something that isn't popular in nigeria so let's say i wanted to make money or, or start up a business as a creative artist and I wanted to connect with people outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't like, it's going to be pretty difficult for me to get paid. Yeah. So it's very, very discouraging. And when I initially wanted to start reaching out to um, creative writers, I had to start by saying, hello, my name is Wa. I'm African, African, not Nigerian. I would wait until we have this sort of, you know, cool relationship. And then I'll go, oh, yeah, I'm from West Africa, I'm Nigerian. And they were like, oh, okay, that's cool. Because I cannot, I, I know someone mentioned it one time, like if they just see Nigerian, they would just stop talking. You're wanting to break these stereotypes through your work and you're kind of sharing what the stereotypes are right now. What is what is the, the story you want to tell? I want people to know that there are a lot of, honest, hardworking creatives who are just trying to let people hear them Mm -hmm. in one way or another. 
there are scam artists, but that's very few. When you want to talk about the, the population, Nigeria, they are very few. We are about 200 million in the country. Yeah, 200 million in the country. And you only hear or you only know about less than 100 or let's say you will take 200 scam artists in 200 million. Right. I'm, I'm trying to let people know that that, that, that prejudice, they, 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 they need to understand where, how this works, really. Not all of us are that way. Me, I'm just trying to make a good living. But because of what the first 50, first 100 have done, millions of Nigerians can't get honest work, can't connect with people, you know, outside the country. And the way it, we, we, we live in a third world country and we have a lot of youths that are thinking way beyond our environment. I was at a, uh, a seminar conference yesterday and they called me to talk to the African youth and tried to tell them how it was that I was able to connect with people outside country and what they could do to basically, even, even with the um, boundaries, with the limitations, how they could push forward. And someone asked a question. He said, we've been told that we can never be bigger than our environment. And we have all of these limitations. We have the way people view Nigerians, the stereotype, the prejudice. How do you want to break that? Mm. That was what he asked me. And I felt bad. And I didn't even lie to him. I told him it was going to be pretty, it was going to be hard because it wasn't easy for me. And it's still not easy for me right now. Trying to connect with people and letting them know, really, it's not, it's not easy at all. But if you're able to meet one person and tell them your story, that person is going to tell another person. I mean, that's how we got yep. on this um, show right now. Um, you heard my story from Daniela and then now you know me. So if you can just let someone, one person know that story. It's going to get somewhere. That person is going to tell more people. You know, those people are going to tell others. And that thought, that stereotype is going to be broken. It's not just us anyway. It's also people, like what we think of people outside the country. Because, you know, the, grand, the grass is always from the other side. But you will learn that there are still some citizens of the United States that are dealing with issues. I mean, you, you have to deal with racism if you're yes. a, a Black American or Asian American. You have to deal with all of those. I never had to go through racism directly in Nigeria because we're predominantly black here. You think everything is going good, going fine until you hear their stories. Um, I, I invite people who are Muslim. I invite uh, people who are conservatives and the rest in the United States, liberal, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm able to talk to those people and listen to the ideas. Um, we talk about feminism, how, how feminism is in Nigeria versus how feminism is outside the country. And we find out that you know, there, there's something I say on, on my podcast. I'm like, when we are able to tell those stories, we find out that we're really not as different as we like to think that we are. We have um, domestic violence everywhere. We have scam artists everywhere. We have rape culture. We have discrimination in, what we, in one way or another. So if we're able to connect that way, you know, basically what the media has put up, um, some of it is not true, but you are able to connect better yeah. when you're able to listen to people's stories directly. Yeah. Let's let's hear what um, anyone in Asia has to say. Let's hear what someone in Australia has to say. How they are living their lives. Let's not leave it to the media to tell us what they are feeling. Let me. I'm, I'm through your stories, through your spoken word, because spoken word really touches, hits harder when it's coming from a place of truth. When you are telling the truth, you're you're telling your truth. Yeah. So you're able to tell those stories, and people are able to connect better with them. How do you not lose heart in the process of all of this? Because, you know, technically you, you, 
you're not obligated to do any of the stuff that you do. You know, you're, you're 22, you're young, you have a promising future right now with your studies and your future career. Like there's no one telling you that, uh, who are you have to, you know, create spoken word poems and put out a podcast and address social and racial issues for your country and do the things that you're doing. There's no reason why you have to do any of this stuff. So how do you do it anyway without losing heart? There was a time in the University of Benin where for at least a month, every week, at least one person was committing suicide. It was a really tough time. We had to start looking into why, you know, what's, what's happening. You know, that's when you have to talk, start talking about mental illness, depression. And I realized that I'm not depressed, but whenever I talk to people who are, they say there really is no meaning to life. A lot of them have promising futures, but they are like, why are they doing that? It's just like everybody else. You know, wake up in the morning, you pick up your bag, you do what everybody else does. And for a lot of people with promising futures, that is it. You already have your life set out for you, but there really isn't anything different, you know. And then people start to lose hope in themselves because they don't have a purpose. And that's why I keep doing what I'm doing now. It gives me purpose. It gives me, there's a reason for me to get up in the morning knowing that I'm not doing what everybody else is doing, knowing that I'm building a name, knowing I'm going to be different, knowing that I'm, you know, okay, when I started, I was only having about, 10 listens in a month, like 10 listens in a month. It was very discouraging. Little by little, I started building, I started having 20, 30, 50. Now it's about 200 listens per month. Even with 200, I can't really do much. But looking at when I only had 10 listens a month, so now that I have 200 listens a month, it's like I've really done a lot. I was able to move from point A where nobody was expecting me to do anything. Like I told you, I didn't even tell my parents. To the point where my father is even sharing my links to his friends. When I wanted to create my logo, I met, I I didn't have any money. I started my podcast with like zero money. I started sending like emails to people, to graphic designers that I met on Instagram. And I was asking them if they could, how much it was going to be for them to design a logo for me. And some people were like $200, 150 pounds. I didn't have that kind of money, but I just kept doing it. Then I met this person, William, who told me about 60 pounds, or I can't remember if it was 60 pounds or 100 pounds. And I said that I didn't have that money now, but if you could wait till like the end of the year, that was in October. If you could wait till like the end of the year, I'd be able to put some money together to raise the funds for him to do the logo for me. And he was like, how much do you have now? And I said, $50. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to do it for you for free. And that's how he designed the logo for the spoken world. Both of us worked together till I got that logo. Like he didn't leave me hanging. I was scared that, you know, because he was doing it for free, after he got to a point, he was just going to stop. And really, he doesn't owe me anything, so why should he continue? But he developed it, he started it and finished it, um, sent me the vector file, told me that if I knew a printer in Bini, he was going to send the vector file down to him and get it done. Like, he didn't even know me, and he did that. His name's William Rutherford. He runs a company called Will Be Creative, I think, in the UK. And 
after he did that, I told him that I was going to advertise in my first episode, first couple of episodes. I was going to let people know about it. So when the first episode came out for season two, I sent him the um, episode and I told him, hey, I mentioned you um, that you were the one that designed my logo. Thank you so much. And his email to me was that before I sent him that email, he was in a bad place. And when I reached out to him, he doesn't know why, but he really wanted to help. And working with me made a lot of difference. And he was thanking me. And I was like, you design a logo for me for free and you're thanking me. Mm. It's the little things that matter, which is why I keep telling people. When I started in season one, I would reach out to like 30 people a day on Instagram, asking them to be on my podcast. And only like five people would agree and eventually show up. Now, I don't reach out to anybody. One of the guests that I had in season two um, was Jason David Frank, who was um, one of the Power Rangers in... Did you, did you watch the Power Rangers? You know I did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> He was like the Green Ranger, Tommy Oliver, in the Power Rangers. And he was the one that reached out to me. The second person was uh, um, J.D. Shapiro, who worked with Dan Lee before he died. He was, he, he's an award-winning screenwriter, and he worked um, on comic book content with Stan Lee before he died. And they reached out to me. And I was like, it's really, it's, it's a little thing. So I never thought I would actually be able to connect with these people. But when I get to have those little achievements and I'm able to put like a star somewhere in my head that, hey, I, I never would have thought that I would have gone this far like three, four, five years ago. I never thought I was going to get this far. When those little things, when one person says, just one person saying, I love your work, gives me enough motivation to spend all that money on um, on data, on, on um, getting power, um, all the extra work that I have to put in despite school. There's all of that, you, you know, reaching when other people reach out to me and they say, I want to hear your story. Like, you know, me, me and you having this conversation right now, like it's really, it really is worth all of that. And I love my art. I, I, I love writing um, spoken word. And then when people tell me that it touched them or they really were able to connect with them, it's really never about the money for me. I mean, money is good. Yes, it's nice to get paid, but I feel more satisfaction when it feels like I have touched one person or I have enlightened one person or 30 people, as the case may be, when it comes to my podcast or 200 people than if I get paid like tomorrow or next tomorrow. Most of the time, whenever I get like paid for jobs, I just save them up and then I reinvest into my podcast. That's what the money is for. It's not really what makes me happy. It's being able to tell stories and being able to unite people, you know, and make it better for other Nigerians, hopefully out there who are struggling. You are a powerful woman and leader, and I just have so much respect for you. And wow, I had like chills during during that last story. Thank you for sharing that with us. If you don't, I would love to hear before, before we leave, I'd love to hear one of just something that you've been working on that you, that you really love with your work. And before we do that, where can people find you? Where can people listen to your podcast? Where are all the things at? Okay. Well, um, if you want to listen to my spot, my podcast is on, um, every major podcast, uh, player, radio, public iTunes, it's called the spoken world. So you can just, um, search that or, my Instagram page, this is my podcast page, which is the spoken world on Instagram. Um, the link to my, to the website is there. So you can check out the spoken world and 
my personal page where I just do all the crazy stuff uh, is I am Hua. So yeah, I am Hua. You, you can check out me just goofing around or dancing or um, just reading or doing fun stuff with my friends. I th- I'm on Twitter, but I'm not very active. I know I don't really get that social media platform. No people say that gets good thing. I don't. I'm not on Snapchat either. I'm not on Facebook. I never got that app. You know, I'm young, but I'm like I I don't get Facebook. I don't get Snapchat. I'm only like maybe on WhatsApp or there's uh, nothing Instagram wrong with that. or Twitter. There's nothing wrong with that. So, uh, out of curiosity, what does Hua mean? Okay, Hua is short for Egbe Hua. Which means my people make me stronger. Ooh, that's the perfect name for you. That's that's amazing. All right, all of that will be linked in the show notes, guys. If you're listening, I want you to do me one favor. I want you to go to iTunes, find her podcast, listen to it, leave her a review and a rating, give her five stars. It goes a long way in the podcasting world. So do that favor for me because we just support you and love the work that you're doing. Before we wrap up, is there just a short little poem that you could share with us? Oh, Heather, you're making me do this. Uh, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Okay, okay. So everybody watching right now, I'm very shy, but I'll do it because y'all asked. So um, the, the name of this piece is Never Forget. She smiled as she picked her daughter up. In her eyes were the spoils of love. Her father's favorite, so she shared his food. Living like a queen, only at age two. So there's a story of a little girl that's repeated through history. Her destiny is carved in stones, rolled so old they are bent in the bones of our mothers and grandmothers, etched in the egos passed down from our grandfathers. It can be whatever you want is the start, but you see, you're not truly free if it ends with, as long as you perform your primary duties as a woman. So they work double time to live their dreams, but not too hard or your threat, you see. Women have a place. Men say you can go a few steps, but never you forget we let you in the first place. Never you forget God made you for me, you are made from me, you are not me, you are a subset of me. You have a pretty face to please me, the curves of your body to entice me. Never you forget you exist because of me. The invisible shackles on her wrists rattle every morning. Smile, little girl, work, little girl, never raise your voice, little girl. You're never prepared to live in a man in the house with that kind of attitude, little girl. Now, little girl doesn't want to be so little anymore. Little does she know that freedom from one family equals bondage to another. The only difference is that everyone else knows about this new prison except her. And realization dawns as she watches the exchange of her independence with currencies wrapped sweetly like a present with a note on top that reads, bright price. Girl, please. You're only of any value when they say so, and even then you remain on your knees. The invisible shackles on her wrists rattle every morning. Smile more, woman. Work more, woman. Never raise your voice, woman. You'll never be a mother and have peace in the house with that kind of attitude, woman. Now, woman doesn't want to be so womanly anymore. She wants someone else. A little version of herself that she can live through. So when the baby girl finally arrives, her heart bursts with excitement and eagerness to pass down all her knowledge. She cradles the babe in her hand, singing sweet lullabies that slowly start to read code ingrained in the very soul as she grows. Women have a place. Men say you can go a few steps, but never you forget they let you in the first place. 
Mm. Never you forget God made you for them. You were made from them. You are not them. You are a subset of them. You have a pretty face to please them. The curves of your body to entice them. Never you forget you exist because of them. But you are strong, little girl, and I will make you every bit of me as I can. Little girl smiles as her mother picks her up. In her eyes were the spoils of love. Her father's favorite, so she shares his food. Living like a queen, only at age two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.